Hello, welcome back to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. My name is Helen, and as always, I'm so glad to be with you today. If you've been listening to our podcast, please remember to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. In fact, if I can ask you a big favor, please share your favorite episode with a friend. So as you probably know, Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical for Women. It's a medical clinic that provides free reproductive health care services for women in the Seattle area. And thanks for joining us today. And we're going to be discussing a pretty difficult topic, pregnancy and infant loss. And the reason why we're highlighting this is October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month as well as according to the American College of OBGYNs, studies has revealed that anywhere from 10 to 25% of all clinically recognized pregnancy will end in early pregnancy loss. So it's a heartbreaking topic, and we just thought, you know, let's take this opportunity to shine a spotlight on it. Because if you or anyone you know that are going through pregnancy or infant loss, We just want to let you know you're not alone. And with me today is a returning guest, Taylor Worthen. She's our executive assistant at 3W and her husband, Daniel Worthen. And they will be sharing their story with you about their pregnancy loss experience. So hi, Taylor and Daniel. Hey, good to see you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Thank thank you for sharing your, your journey with us. And thank you for helping other people feel less alone and less sad about this, if, if that's even a possibility. But let's go ahead and jump in. And can either one of you share with our listeners today when and how you knew that you lost your baby? You know, what was that day like for you guys? Yeah. So from my perspective, Daniel and I have actually been, had been, trying for a few months to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a little bit of fear when it wasn't happening the first time. Eventually in, I believe it was April of 2020, we, we got a positive pregnancy test. And because I was being a little bit manic, I even took multiple pregnancy tests over several days. Yeah. Um, Working in the clinic provides me a lot of education, especially from Dr. Rutherford. So I knew that the earliest I could get an ultrasound was around the six or seven week mark, especially if I wanted to see an, a heartbeat, which is what I, we wanted. We didn't want to go in there and have Dr. Rutherford say, oh, we only see a yolk sac. You're going to have to come back. So Dr. Rutherford gave me a pregnancy test as protocol is in our clinic. And she set me on the table and she started asking me about days and and you know how things had gone my last period she asked me if there was any sickness or nausea basic questions and when things came around she was gently explaining that she couldn't find anything she couldn't find what she should be seeing Mm -hmm. at the six or seven week mark that we should have been at and she was extremely gentle she just said that maybe my days were off though we were pretty sure that they were not because mm-hmm. um, I use the FEM app and mm-hmm. I track pretty, pretty rigorously. And I think that working in the clinic in the back of my mind, I kind of always knew that pregnancy loss was a possibility, 
we have seen it many times in our clinic. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's heartbreaking every single time. Yeah. But to think that it's going to happen to you is, I guess you assume it won't happen to you. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't hold it in. And thankfully Daniel is there. So, and thankfully I was around people who cared for me, but the immediate reaction is, is immediate. It's just grief. It's, it's just utmost grief. Right. Right. Yeah. And from a guy's perspective, I went in there with Taylor to, to see the heartbeat of our child. And I, you know, I'm the type of person that dives headfirst when I find something out. And I was reading all these, you know, expecting, you know, parent expecting books. And Mm -hmm. um, I think I was just over the moon with having a kid since my whole life. I've always dreamt of starting a family, having, you know, three, four, five children. Um, (laughs) And going into the the room that day, having, again, more anticipation to see the life growing inside of Taylor. I think, as Taylor said, like when Dr. Rutherford was going about looking for the child and the heartbeat and it taking a long time to not find anything, I started piecing together what had happened before anything was said. And I just, I think it was just kind of devastating to me, but I I knew that I had to be strong because that child was something that Taylor was growing inside of her. And I knew that it would affect her immensely as well as it affected me. But Mm -hmm. I just, I felt like in that moment, I really needed to just be strong for Taylor and to comfort her and kind of set my own emotions to the side. Cause I, I feel like as a guy, you maybe don't get treated as if the child is your child as much as it is your wife or girlfriend or whoever's child. And it just societally, I haven't, really viewed it as you know really thinking about it that much so I think it was I think there was just a lot there in in a deep sense of trying to figure out what I was allowed to express and how I was allowed to feel and and Mm -hmm. just trying to be there for Taylor and yeah 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 there's just there's just so much to process all at once right like we're anticipating something going into this appointment and then you know, even though you knew logically it could, yeah. it could happen, but like, like Taylor said, it just, you just never think it would happen to you. And in some ways I think like working at the clinic, you think, okay, I have a boss who's a doctor. I can call her anytime. I can take as many pregnancy tests as I want. I'm kind of like in a, in some sense, bulletproof from anything wrong happening to my child. And then when it happens, you just kind of go, what do you do from there? Yeah. So I, I totally got that. And it was for us outside in the office area, we, it was like this wave of mourning for the both of you. Like we didn't know what to do, what to say. And it was like, you guys should just go home. And, and like, I mean, not that we wouldn't want you guys there, but you guys need to go home and like really rely on each other to get through this at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I mean, I'm really glad that Sue was able to, to do that for you because she's so good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from, you know, again, we as employees see, you know, from the outsider perspective of 
mm-hmm. you know, what a miscarriage looks like in the clinic or what that finding out about a miscarriage or a pregnancy failure looks like in the clinic, but then to see Dr. Rutherford in her element in action because she cares for each patient so much mm-hmm. was, it was, it was different and it was seeing a different side of her for both of us. But, you know, she looks at it and she, as much as possible, feels that mourning and that grief with her patient. Yeah. Um, Of course, without crossing any sort of boundaries, but Mm -hmm. you immediately feel cared for. And that was, that was wonderful to, to have that in the least. Yeah. Yeah. So Taylor, can you kind of walk us through what happened the following days, you know, for you physically, mentally, as you process all of this, how, how, what did you do? Who did you talk to? How did that go for you? Because it didn't end that day, right? Yeah, it it didn't. I mean, I think that, you know, the, I, I just, the way I process grief is I just want, I just want to sleep. (laughs) Um, And so I, I mean, we called all of our family members who we had told, which basically included, you know, our parents and our siblings. We were really careful on who we told when we got a positive pregnancy test and when we were in anticipation because, you know, we knew it was a possibility. Right. Um, No matter how small, we knew it was a possibility. And so we pretty much called everyone, letting them know there was crying on both ends, you know, and as we continued to tell people and we told our community, you come to find out that there are actually a lot of people, a lot of women who you didn't think had gone through something like this, but they had. Mm -hmm. And so actually when you, when you started this podcast by saying it's 10 to 25% of clinic pregnancies and in a miscarriage, I, I I strongly question if that's true. I wonder if it's more Mm -hmm. only because you know, people just don't talk about it until maybe the other person opens up, but processing it, I think that it required us to lean into one another a lot and cry with one another a lot to rely on, to rely on our faith a lot and to dive into that quite a bit Mm -hmm. and to just be transparent and honest with our community um, on a physical side it was about a week or so later that I actually passed the, and I, I don't know what it would be called, but the remnants of the pregnancy, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was fairly excruciating, you know, despite how early it was, it clearly was a period that was far, far more strong and unbearable than previous period experiences. So I can for say sure that there was something going on in my body that was not just a heavier set period. It was, it was so bad. In fact, I had to go home early and I just like laid in bed for hours and hours, but yeah, processing it. We knew that something like this, like can pull people apart. It can spiral into some serious depression. And so we knew as pretty much as soon as Dr. Rutherford was explaining that this is in fact a miscarriage, we started processing like, what do we need to do to grieve and grieve well and grieve properly? And what do we need to look out for? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think one of the things that we also did that was really helpful was we wrote a a message to oh, our yeah. to our unborn child, and we kind of went out and had our own little funeral service for that child out in our backyard, and we, you know, spoke our letters to them out loud and burned the letters and yeah I didn't want to keep those letters I want we 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 said them we wanted them we wanted that to kind of be like done not to not to just linger yeah 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 and I mean we'd already kind of well our our niece had named uh the child turnip so we kind of addressed everything to turnip we gave him or her a name and I think that that has all helped you know Mm-hmm. with with the process so yeah yeah that's so awesome that you guys did that and relied on your faith and and recognized that regardless if your child was here from for just a, a small point of time you still recognize their existence and i think that's so important for so many people to to hear and to realize that it it is a loss you did lose a child you did lose someone and to not stuff it and to talk about it with people because like you said, Taylor, there's so many women out there that have gone through something very similar and they think that they just have to move on and never recognize that they lost something. I think that that, that has some mental health that could cause some mental health issues down the road that we are, we, that people wouldn't be aware of or something like that. So, so, yeah. So Daniel, how, how was it from your perspective to go through that week when Taylor was going through that pain physically and that you couldn't help, you know, being, sure. being so connected to together through this loss, how was it for you? Yeah. I mean, I obviously didn't have the same, physical, you know, like, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I don't even know what to call the it. Like physical you're terrors. Yeah, uh, yeah. Experience that Taylor did. But I think since I am such an illogical person, I was trying to logic it out and figure out where to cast blame or what we did wrong. And I, I think that that was pretty unhealthy to some extent. But mm-hmm. one, one big thing I think I realized is just that so many you know, kind of like mentioned earlier, so many guys don't really get thought of in the whole process. So every, all of our friends and family seem to always say like, oh, Taylor, we're so sorry for your loss. Or like they would all be comforting Taylor. And I kind of personally felt a little out of the loop and thinking like, you know, I'm, although it wasn't, it didn't directly happen to my body. um, I still have that that grief inside of me. And I was just as much anticipating getting to hold my child for the first time and starting mm-hmm. our family. And I think that was incredibly hard, but I also think it's what, what was really helpful was having actually one of our really good sets of friends uh, had gone through two miscarriages in the previous six months, actually before we had ours. So we reached out to them and they provided us great comfort and gave us a little package, yeah, I guess, with care package, little care package with some various things. And yeah, I think it was, it was hard reconciling that fact that in this world and the culture that we live in, like 
guys aren't as as thought about and i think whenever now i hear about somebody going through a time like that i i try and make sure that the guy knows that he you know he's okay to express loss and it's okay for the guy to express hurt and that you know i ask about their feelings because i know that from personal experience i know that my feelings weren't often considered very heavily so Yeah, that's very interesting that you said that initially you went home and thought, gosh, you guys must have done something wrong. Taylor must have ate something. Wrong. Like something you created this loss. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because Dr. Rutherford, I remember talking to her um, many, probably a year ago about a patient coming in with a pregnancy loss. And she said she could, if she, there are so many times that there are patients that ask her. That's their immediate response to her was, was it my fault? Mm-hmm. And she always has to tell them, no. There, there's nothing you could have done wrong or right to, to fix the situation. And so that's something very normal that, that I think everybody kind of goes through. And, and it also is very interesting that you said like, that our society kind of programs men to be so disconnected from a pregnancy because mm-hmm. they've been told for so many times it's not their body. So for you to also go through grief is I think something so good for other men to hear about because they should be able to freely express their feelings during a time of grief and mourning just because it's mm-hmm. not happening to their body. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they created it together. So why when they also go through grief and mourning. So that's really great. So what types of, what was in this care package that your friend sent you? Was it helpful or did it even like brought up even more pain that you didn't even think about? Um, What other resources did you reach out to, to move on, to move forward? I mean, I think the care package just made us feel loved. I think at that point we weren't, you know, we were still grieving, but I think we were in the uh, rebound of just kind of repairing our, you know, our emotions and, and trying to get more or less back into the normal swing of things. So the, there was, you know, some Swedish fish, some Oreos. Everything yellow. Yes. <laughs> Everything sunshine. Yeah. Uh, there was a little box of, or a little uh, wine bottle. <laughs> uh, just kind of some date things, little mugs that you could write, like draw on. Yeah, um, just like little things to show that you're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. As far as resources go, I mean, I have not, I did not and have not reached out, but there are resources for pregnancy loss as far as counseling and therapy, which I, from those who have done it, I understand it is very helpful, especially if you've gone through a miscarriage and you're anticipating to get pregnant again, how are you going to do another pregnancy where you are not constantly in fear? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is a lot of a bit of what a counseling or a therapy would do. I think like the best resource that we had for ourselves was our community and again, our faith, but especially reaching out to our community and realizing we're not alone. I have a texting chain with a bunch of my aunts and cousins who are all women that live in various states. And when I let all of them know about the miscarriage, 
three of my cousins, I feel like chimed in to say that they had also had miscarriages and none, no one knew. Um, so all, so all these women who had had miscarriages suddenly were like bringing it up in this group chat and no one had known about it except maybe like their own mothers. Mm -hmm. Was that that very therapeutic for you? It was. And it showed me again, like women aren't talking about it. And maybe it's because there's a bit of shame there or guilt because you think you did something wrong that was completely out of your control. And I remember Sue saying, or Dr. Rutherford saying, science can't tell us why this happens. Science has Mm -hmm. not been able to reveal that to us. We just know that it does. Mm -hmm. There's nothing we can do to prevent it. There's some speculations out there. Mm -hmm. And she continued to remind me that, you know, that it, it just sucks and it's going to suck and it's going, you're going to carry it with you, your life. Yeah. It changes you. Yeah. I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of placed in, our friend says you're, you're placed into a club you never wanted to be a part of. And uh, you know, that's the best thing. The best thing you can do for yourself is to be honest about what happened. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the healthiest thing that someone can do for themselves. Yeah. And to just to know that you can be there for other people as well. Like, yeah. like, like our friends were there for us. We can now be there for other people. And just because something bad happens in your life doesn't mean that you have to become a victim of that. It can, I think it's helped make us realize, especially in the, you know, the last six or so months where we've again been, you know, trying to have a, a baby and not being able to have the baby yet not being able to or not even be able to get pregnant yet I I think that we've just had to realize that we need to be there more for each other and to put our marriage first and Mm -hmm. not just focus our marriage on having the you know trying to create a kid but I think it's allowed us to refocus on our own marriage and putting ourselves first Mm -hmm. which I think is good but also allowing us to yeah help others yeah when when they're going through similar things so yeah and I think it's all how you look at it and also allowing yourself to grieve as, you know, within, with as long as you need. I know that we've talked about this, like our due date was going to be December 15th and December 15th is right around the corner. And there's not, there's, there's, there's not another pregnancy. There's, there's still a little bit of darkness there and there's potentially going to be a little bit more mourning. There has been, as I think about like where I would have been even now, but I have, I think I have to carry it with me to know that again, I'm not alone and lean in on one another and lean in on our faith a lot. Yeah. Daniel, what is one primary message? What's one message that you want our listeners to know from your perspective about pregnancy loss? I guess that you're just, you're not alone and that there, you know, no matter what, you think you may have done wrong or that why something happened to you that it just that you are loved and that you have so much to live for and that you know I think the biggest thing I took away was that we did get pregnant and that it if we got pregnant once we can get pregnant again mm-hmm. and just the the hope for the future and not letting it really destroy your life and just to to work through it in a healthy way and mm-hmm. to, to move on yeah. as best you know how yeah how about you Taylor 
I, I mean, I would echo what Daniel said, but that there's no, there's nothing you did in your life that, that you're being punished for and it's causing a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. You know, you, it happens. It happens to the healthiest, the healthiest of people have miscarriages and the most unhealthy people have perfectly healthy babies. Yeah. And (laughs) sometimes that can feel like wild and unfair, but don't look at somebody else and envy what they have. You know, it is your story. There's nothing you did wrong. Science has not given us the answers yet. And yeah, if you got pregnant once, you can get pregnant again. And that loss will carry with you. But there's there's a lot of beauty in the strength of your grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we totally hear that from the both of you. I hope that's what our listeners are getting because I've seen, personally, I've seen the both of you grow so much from it and we get to benefit from that story being just interacting with you guys. So thank you. Um, Thank you again for sharing your story and your journey through such a difficult part of your relationship with our our listeners. Because I know that your story is yours, but it also will resonate with so many people out there, um, hundreds, thousands. So we hope that talking about this, talking about pregnancy loss and infant loss, that we can bring awareness to its frequency because we do see it all the time at 3W and it breaks our heart right along with our patients. So it's time to wrap up our episode for today. So thank you again. But if you listeners out there, if you yourself or someone you know have experienced pregnancy loss or infant loss, please know that we're here for you. In fact, we are taking it so seriously that we are starting in the new year a new program and service to address specifically pregnancy loss and infant loss for our patient population that comes in. So please stay tuned for that exciting news coming in 2021 because we can't wait for 2020 to just be over with, right? (laughs) So um, great news is coming on the horizon. And again, we care for you. We love you. And please reach out to us if you want to talk. If you want to talk to Taylor and Daniel again, please. I'm pretty sure they're very accessible to you. Yes, Um, very. Yeah. So as always, ReW Medical for Women provides free reproductive health care services for women in the Seattle area. And you can find more information about us by going to our website, which is 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, that's the letter W, then medical.org. If you have been listening to our podcast and want to find all the other episodes, if it's your first time listening, go to our website, click on our podcast tab on the page, and that's where you'll see a variety of topics and discussions that we've had. And again, please remember to subscribe and share with your friends. So until next time, please stay healthy and be well.